Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. This is your host, Mitch Friedman, along with par excellence, Jeff Olson, my sound engineer. And I'm recording this on November the 10th. And so this week we've had a little bit of uh, excitement and maybe some anxiety and some expectation as we experience the midterm elections on Tuesday, November 8th. I hope you voted. Uh, it's your right, it's your privilege, and it's your responsibility. And a lot of interesting uh, conversations going on around the country, around the water cooler, around the dinner table, uh, about uh, the dynamics, uh, the importance, uh, the expectation for the midterm elections, uh, no matter which side of the political aisle you're on. Uh, I saw something interesting, uh, Dateline Tuesday, the day of the election, at 7 p.m., which for us... Uh, Central Time was when the polls closed. And I saw this post on Facebook. Here it is, quotes. It feels like we're all in divorce court waiting to see who gets custody of us. And I would say that's a fairly pessimistic view. I think it was meant to be funny. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't do much except examine worldview statements. And that is a worldview statement of uh, who's in control, what's wrong with the world, what can be done to fix it and uh, where all this is going. And, you know, that was, I think, maybe something we could all relate to, the uncertainty of uh, how we're going to be cared for or what kind of policy is going to be made, uh, what kind of policy is going to be continued, what policies may be discontinued based on the quote-unquote balance of power shifting. And, you know, the media plays this up for all they're worth because they want to get as much uh, headline and then follow-up and consistency of exposure and excitement around their media broadcast as they can. And there's still a few elections around the country that are uh, either going into a runoff or haven't settled yet. So it could be weeks before some of these uh, uncertainties about our custody uh, will be made known. Uh, but I want to talk this morning just for a few minutes about uh, public policy and uh, how we come to engage it and think about it and what our expectations are for it. And I've titled this podcast, this episode, Jeff tells me it's episode 31 of season two. By the way, Jeff, isn't it exciting that we have something coming down the pipeline for season three uh, beginning in January? Man, I'm so pumped about this. Uh, more later, you guys can experience the anxiety of this cliffhanger as we move towards this new exciting development for the Pinocchio Project. But I've called this episode, episode 31 of season two, public policy, is it the root or is it the fruit? Public policy, root or fruit? Now let me, I'm going to be defining terms along the way here. Uh, uh, the root of something is the basic cause, source, or origin, and the fruit is the product or result born from the fruit. So to simplify, there is no fruit without a root. And so my question to the Pinocchio Project podcast consumer is, 
is public policy a root or a fruit? And I'm going to go ahead and and uh, give you a uh, an answer. Uh, it is actually the fruit. Public policy is the fruit that's born from a basic cause, source, or origin. So all the decisions that are made about how we're governed, what's acceptable behavior, what's unacceptable behavior, uh, what we're going to do about various hot-button issues, all those things are public policy, and they are the fruit of something else that is the, the basic cause of the thinking that's gone into the policymaking. And I would offer that, that the, the root is, is worldview. Uh, but I'm going to come at it from a little different perspective today. And some of you may be saying, hey, Mitch, man, you, you're going to kind of ride in this horse again? I mean, we talk about this a lot. Yes, we do, because uh, worldview shapes policy, and policy shapes how we are expected to live our lives with the expectation that if policy is, is appropriate in its formation, then flourishing will result. So this is kind of the, the same pony, but it's a little bit of a different saddle. And uh, so, again, under the, under the framework question of uh, public policy as the fruit of a source, uh, I want to quote uh, one of my favorite authors. He's actually a Catholic guy. He passed away, I think, in 2000 and, oh, I can't remember. Uh, I think Jeff's going to look it up. Dr. Richard John Newhouse, that's N-E-U-H-A-U-S, uh, he's the founder of First Things Magazine, which I would highly recommend to you. Uh, if you're a consumer of the Pinocchio Project podcast, that means you like the kind of the things we talk about and go in depth on. And I found uh, First Things Magazine to be of uh, imminent value, inestimable value in some ways. And so Dr. Richard John Newhouse, who was connected to all things government for his time in service, and also a great theologian. He says this, politics is chiefly a function of culture. So politics is the relational machinery of policymaking. Politics is chiefly a function of culture. At the heart of culture is morality. And at the heart of morality is religion. So I am going to say that again and then unpack our terms uh, here as we go from root to fruit. And this is actually stated in reverse, from fruit to root. So politics, the relational machinery of policymaking, is chiefly a function of culture, and culture is the collective attitudes and behavioral characteristics of a particular society, civilization, or social group. And at the heart of culture is morality. And morality is a particular system of values and principles of conduct, especially one held by a specified person or society. And at the heart of morality is religion. And religion is a collection of cultural systems, belief systems, and worldviews that relate humanity to spirituality and sometimes to moral values. So you may not be too clear yet, but what Dr. Richard John Newhouse is saying, that policymaking or politics, which is the relational machinery of policymaking, is actually sourced in religion. And there are a few stops in between as that ultimate fruit is being formed. And the stops are culture and morality. 
Uh, let me restate it for you. So what I'm trying to do here today is uh, maybe in a, in a certain uh, approach, uh, different saddle, same pony, asking the question, you know, what do we expect out of our policymakers these days? If you went into this uh, midterm election season thinking that the quote-unquote red wave was going to become a tsunami and sweep out all of the distasteful and sometimes downright evil patterns of policymaking that have held sway over the past few decades, I would ask you to maybe ask another question. Why would I expect that to be the case? If religion is the basic source, the root of what ultimately becomes policy or politics, why would I expect anything different than either a status quo or slight erosion of what I would say is flourishing morality built into the policy uh, based on the religious values of our day and our land? So let me restate what Dr. Richard John said, maybe a little more simply. Religion is the root that produces the fruits in sequence of morality, culture, and public policy. Religion is the root that produces the fruit in sequence of morality, culture, and public policy. So from the original source material, religion, what people think about God, how they practice their systems of belief, how those systems of belief become behavior in a culture, in a society, in our country, religion actually produces public policy. Now, the steps of sequence in between are morality and culture. Uh, maybe that's a little clearer. Maybe not. Let me say it again. You want me to say it one more time, Jeff, in a different way? Same pony, different saddle. Listen up. Here it is. Groups of people, some in vocations of influence, such as university professors, elite academics, elites in places of financial and material resource, entertainers, groups of people, some in vocations of influence, and some elected to positions of influence, all who have religious commitments— now, you would say, wait a minute, I've seen what comes out of Hollywood. Uh, trust me on this, folks, everyone who's made in the image of God, and how many people is that, Jeff? Everyone is built with a religious commitment that must be shaped. We are given this what we call God-shaped vacuum uh, that can be formed in a true sense and an accurate sense and a flourishing sense by a commitment to my creator, but it has to be formed nonetheless. I will be devoted to something or some things or someone or someones to fill that need to have a, a devotion and an affection that drives me to my behavior. So Groups of people, some in vocations of influence, some elected to positions of influence, all who have religious commitments, shape ideas about preferred societal behaviors. And I would offer also about acceptable societal behaviors. These ideas, over time, become the fruit 
of policy that binds that entire society to conformity to those policies. Was that any better, Jeff? Let me look down the table. Was that good? You think that we can move on? And so if I ask the question again, what do you expect from your politics if these groups of people, these influencers, some elected, some in positions of influence by vocation, if they hold religious commitments that are contrary to what we would call a biblical worldview commitment, and the, the answer to the four questions that all worldviews ask and answer, what does it mean to be human? What's wrong with this world? What can be done to fix it? And where is this all going? All of those questions have to be asked and answered by the image bearer. And outside of a biblical framework, we can't expect any progress towards a biblical framework without a biblical commitment. So I'm going to read this one more time. Groups of people, some in vocations of influence, some elected to positions of influence, all who have religious commitments, air quotes, shape ideas about preferred and acceptable societal behaviors. These ideas over time produce the policy that binds the entire society to conformity to the policy. And a couple of examples of this that have, have come out in a couple of different states, and I have all kinds of examples I could use uh, from the midterms. Uh, but it became clear that religious commitments beyond biblical commitments, outside the, the pale of being righteously and beautifully attached to my Creator's plans, have shown themselves once again uh, in this latest election. Uh, one example is uh, from the state of California. Uh, the state of California, after Roe v. Wade was returned to the states, uh, decided that they wanted to put up a proposition, Proposition 1, uh, that would be written into the state constitution, not a law, but into the base document of the state's constitution, which, which makes it, and the word enshrined was used in a lot of the media. California wants to enshrine, is that a religious term? It sounds like a religious term. Wants to enshrine the right to abortion in the state's constitution so it could be protected from just mere uh, legislative change. So this is the, uh, the headline from NPR uh, under the, the title banner of Reproductive Rights in America, Dateline Los Angeles, November 9th. California will amend the state constitution to guarantee the right to abortion and contraception. Voters approve the ballot measure known as Proposition 1. According to a call by the Associated Press, so the Associated Press called this and they came out pretty accurately, uh, the vote was 65% to 35%. 65% in favor of amending the state's constitution for these guarantees of enshrinement and 35% against. I have to say quite optimistically that the 35% voting no in California, I mean, I see that as a, a, a baseline for future hope. How about you? Am I too naive? I don't know. I hope I remain that way. So, so the, this, this is a policy-making fruit. Let me get to the religious language. And we'll try to discover from this language who or what is being worshipped and deified. The article continues, The language voters endorsed will add to the California Constitution that, quote, the state shall not deny or interfere with an individual's 
reproductive freedom in their most intimate decisions to have an abortion and their fundamental right to choose or refuse contraceptives. So I might have made this walk on all fours since we're talking about ponies, but I've actually found the root and the sequential fruits that we discussed earlier in this statement. See if you agree or see if you're willing to consider. So the language voters endorsed will add to the California Constitution. That's the ultimate fruit policy that, quote, the state shall not deny with an individual's reproductive freedom in their most intimate decisions. So I would argue that that actually is the root. That's the source. That's, that's the religion. An individual's reproductive freedom in their most intimate decisions. So at its, at its baseline, the root, the source of this policy is self and its autonomy. Now, this sounds like the same pony that we've been riding for some time. Are you following me so far? In their most intimate decisions, and which includes their fundamental right to choose to have an abortion, that's the morality that springs from the source that demands self be worshipped in this reproductive quote-unquote freedom, which is a euphemism, because for the for the baby, there's absolutely no voice. There's no freedom. And there's no possibility of reproduction for the baby, as the baby would have a chance to live and grow. So the morality is the fundamental right to choose to have an abortion and their fundamental right to choose or refuse contraceptives. Do you think that's a legitimate from source, from root to fruit, all contained in maybe a few statements? But this takes some processing, I know. So what we have here is a what would you expect based on what we've seen in our, I would offer decline in religion geared toward the true and the living God, our creator, and the move towards self-worship, autonomy, as couched in these euphemisms of reproductive freedom in our most intimate decisions. Let me give you one more example uh, in this same amendment. More religious language here. The, the article goes on. Some say the language of the amendment is too broad, potentially opening up the amendment to being struck down by courts in the future. Now listen here as it closes. Courts may have, how do you like, I just listened to myself. Now listen here. <laughs> so as the article closes, Courts may have to sort out these details later, but passage of the constitutional amendment cements California as an abortion sanctuary. Now that is religious language. And that took me right back to, to the old Testament establishment of cities of sanctuary or cities of refuge. You, you know, some of those references, Jeff. So the old Testament law uh, made provision for certain cities to be places where if, if anyone had accidentally killed someone and the family of that someone that was killed wanted to exact vengeance by killing the killer, that accidental killer could find refuge or sanctuary in this particular city and be protected. Well, this is the exact opposite. To use the two terms together as religious language, California now as an abortion sanctuary... That's actually a nonsensical, paradoxical non-secular. 
What it does, folks, in the language of common sense, is it cements California as an abortion mortuary, not just for California, but for all the states who are still holding on to the reality that all human life in the womb and outside the womb is to be held as sanctified. So as I close, I hope this has been helpful. I don't want you to be depressed or despairing because, you know, believers in all times, if you're a Christian, Christians in all times have had to deal with very significant societal, legislative, and even tyrannical and dictatorial and despotism, uh, the pressures of trying to live out your faith in places that are very hostile. And so when I go back to the Facebook post, Dateline Tuesday, 7 p.m., that says, and this was posted by a follower of Jesus Christ, which was a little bit discouraging. It feels like we're all in divorce court, waiting to see who gets custody of us. I want to remind you of a few things. You need to remember who, is, who does have custody of you permanently. And no one can snatch you out of his hand. John 10. You need to remember that you are not your own. You don't have custody of yourself as you're, if you're a believer. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And in this particular context, that means that you continue, you continue to stand up to evil, to fight it by offering better ideas, by offering your energy, your money, everything that you can muster to protect life. Also, we need to remember again that the discouragement or the exaltation that comes from elections is absolutely downstream of our primary source of hope. Salvation will never arrive on Air Force One, and it won't arrive in your state legislature. It won't arrive from your city legislatures or your ordinance makers. You are already absolutely secure. All that's left for us now is to honor the one who does have custody of us as we continue to stand firm and fight the good fight of faith, especially for those who have no voice. For The Pinocchio Project, Mitch Friedman signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on the Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening, and remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.